myself, Jared Klein. Obviously, if you're on YouTube, you can see our guest today, but we'll get to our guest in a little bit. Um, but again, welcome back to the Creative, po- uh, Creative Process Podcast. This is episode nine, I think, episode nine, um, almost to that 10 mark. That one's going to be happening happening this week, but it's awesome getting to that 10 mark. Jeez, 10. Oh, my goodness. Um, but yes, like I mentioned already, obviously, if you're on YouTube, you can see you can see our guest. But if you're listening on Spotify, our guest today is Brandon Moore. Um, if you are in the sports design space or granted, if you're in the design space in general, connecting with people on Twitter. And even if, you know, you saw this podcast through me or through mutual retweets of this, um, you probably know who Brandon is. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I guess we'll, we'll jump right into it. There's, I'll let Brandon introduce himself cause that's why he's here. So, uh, so yeah, man, how's it going today? Uh, yeah, going pretty well, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. It's, it's awesome to, uh, to have you on the podcast. I know that it's going to be a lot of information for people to kind of, um, to kind of put in their minds. I hope this, this one's going to be really constructive and, uh, a lot of, a lot of experiences to talk about, I hope. So, so yeah, why don't you give the people that don't know you kind of a layout, um, of who you are, what you're about, I guess, go as in depth as you want to be. I usually leave it open-ended. So <laughs> go as far yeah. as you want or as shallow as you want. <laughs> um, see, I was born in Indiana, spent first 20 years of my life there. Um, and, Kind of after high school, didn't really know what I wanted to do with life. So I moved to Florida, moved to Orlando. Um, took me a few years to figure it out. And then um, went to college for graphic design uh, at Full Sail in Orlando. And uh, kind of went in not really knowing even what graphic design was, but just kind of felt like with my artistic background, it would be something I could do, I guess, and get paid for. Like, maybe this works out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then while I was there, I just kind of developed this natural love for it. Um, and then somehow along the way, kind of got hooked into sports design. You know, I think it's like one of my first clients was a football coach. Uh, and I did a logo for him. And I, I think you just kind of do stuff and put it out. And then it kind of snowballs. So like, you no, know, somebody sees that and it was my third or fourth client was another football coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did some work with them. And then I think my path through sports design was kind of you no know, set. Um, so that, that's led me around uh, a couple different places and um, from Orlando to Columbus to Miami. Uh, and I'm still here in Fort Lauderdale. I've been an independent designer for a couple of years now. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Well, that's awesome. I didn't know. I, for some reason, when you do say full sale, that, that for some reason that, that had to jog my memory. I, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I think I, I think I may connect with someone that went to full sale. Maybe not for design, but I forgot like full sale university was a thing. In all honesty, yeah. I, I used to see like commercials and stuff on it. Yeah, so, they do a lot of ads. They do like. Yeah, I, I see ads everywhere. Yeah, um, but they have—they're really big in the film industry, and it's like it, any movie when you when it rolls the end credits, there's just tons of full sale alumni, you know, in, in the credits from, you know, anything from small movies to Marvel stuff. Um, the film industry is like really um, where they're big. So. so would you say it's like a 
it's like a creative centric university yeah, there, yeah there's also like music production um management mm-hmm. um they may even have some more uh, design stuff that they've put in since i've been there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure um so uh, there's one question on here that has been a topic um in past episodes but you pretty much already answered it, it was basically did you go to school for graphic design obviously you went to school to full sale so that's been a topic um of recent episodes so i was going to ask you that but obviously it's not it's not a thing you went to full sale um if you if you the past the one with neil if you are interested in the conversation the one with neil um it went it went awesome because he is actually do you know neil patel by chance um i think i've seen his work yeah um he does work for yukon yukon's women's bat yukon women's basketball and he is actually going to school there for engineering he's not going for design so mm-hmm. like it was an awesome type of conversation um but anyways we'll get over that um let's kind of get into your experiences and everything um you said you got into sports design with um mainly just taking on freelance clients and now you're an independent designer um so kind of give your whole type of opinion obviously you came from freelance and now you're doing freelance right um so what's your opinion on um from i guess obviously from a designer's perspective what's your what's your opinion on doing freelance work um it's rewarding if you can maintain it mm-hmm. um it, everybody in my family was um or is self-employed um like well every male in my family um they're all blue collar workers uh from carpenters to welders and drywallers so i, I think it's kind of like just in my nature to mm-hmm. you know be an independent have my own business um kind of person um it's it provides a lot of a lot of freedom over your not just like you know your career, but just your day to day and you wake up when you want to wake up and, you know, you do what you want to do. Um, as long as you meet deadlines mm-hmm. and that's, that's something that, you know, a paycheck can't always replace, uh, <laughs> is being able to, um, come into the studio at like seven o'clock at night and staying up till midnight and working, you know, if I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, but it but it's tough to maintain and there's a lot of ebb and flow and you know that that's the upside to working for somebody else or you know at an agency or a team or whatever mm-hmm. it's like when i've worked for other people i've come home and it kind of forget about the job uh and just kind of do life uh but i, I feel like i'm as an independent you know when when i'm in charge of everything i'm kind of always on and, you know, I kind of go, go to bed thinking about the business, the design business and stuff. And, um, and I, I do enjoy all that actually, but, uh, it's, it's, it, it'll wear on you <laughs> if mm-hmm. it's not for you for sure. So it's, it's, it's actually a conversation I've been having with my, uh, my classmates that I recently graduated with, um, last May and a couple of us are pretty close. We, have a discord server with each like with our group of friends and everything. And we talk about like doing freelance stuff all the time. And personally, that's where, that's how I like started gaining a liking for design and really starting, started um, 
getting an idea of, Oh, this can be a career, you know? Um, that's where kind of my whole, I guess, design career, design liking kind of stemmed from is being able to like realize, Hey, I can make money from this rather than just doing it for like YouTube, your own personal YouTube videos, or that's whatever, you know, whatever you started doing it for. Um, so the freelance conversation is, is, is always comes up within my friends and it's like, it, it always stems, it all, it always goes to that, like work-life balance, especially when you work at home, like for your case, like you go to bed thinking about, um, thinking about, you know, the project you're working on to, whereas, you know, you don't really have that work-life disconnect. I feel like that's a common, that's a common thing when granted you do have an office, but how much can a door, you know, how much, how much can that door block? You know, you're always a, a door right. open away from getting right back to work. And, right. um, yeah. so yeah, I connected to that aspect and yeah, that's like one of the main talking points with, with my friends and stuff and always like pricing and everything too. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, obviously you don't have to give out prices, but how do you approach freelance pricing? Obviously you're a well-established designer, so it's, you know, and you're making a living from it. So it definitely isn't on the, you know, $20 for a social media post, but um, I guess um, how do you work on pricing from your point of view? It's something I'm always reevaluating um, at least once a year, you know, what I'm charging, what my process is, mm-hmm. what I might put into a bid. And that's taken me a long time to kind of fine tune even where it is now. Um, I think the the best part of having a specialty, um, and for me being branding and logos, is that I can really carve out a process and have kind of this um, uh, this this package that I can propose to people, where it's like A, B, or C. What which one is right for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes things really easy to start a negotiation with, at least, uh, is to say that I know I can give you a logo and some font options and, and colors and kind of the basics of a brand for, uh, you know, I, I can get it to you in two weeks. Um, and that usually costs about $2,000. Uh, and then the next package up from that has some more options, you know, some more, maybe multiple logo options, mm-hmm. uh, multiple typefaces, just different stuff. Um, and then, then that costs, you know, double like $5,000 and it'll take four weeks. Um, and, and those packages are something that I'm always kind of tweaking and, uh, I, I think I changed them just a couple of weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. um, and then any other kind of stuff, like just kind of graphic design, general graphic design stuff. Um, I'll charge an hourly rate sometimes. Uh, sometimes I'll do a retainer, a monthly retainer. Um, I, I've, I think as I've gotten older, I've become more open to all of the possibilities of how I can get paid. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will say, will tell you never work for an hourly rate, um, or price on value. Don't do a flat rate or whatever. I, I've stayed open to every possibility and what works best for the client and myself mm-hmm. and try to find a win-win. Um, so I, I think that's just, just stay open-minded about that and uh, keep all of your options on the table going into a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it helps everything, whether you're pricing on value or 
by a flat rate by having at least a baseline for an hourly rate and you can kind of judge everything against that mm -hmm. you know kind of figuring out what you're worth and what you need per hour mm -hmm. it makes every other option a lot easier to figure out mm -hmm. for sure so where was that process with you like figuring out how much your like expertise was worth because i know a lot of young designers they have a struggle with that getting into freelance and it's like you know like do i charge you know what i really think i'm worth or do i charge what i think would get more bites you know yeah it's tough um yeah that that's been kind of a difficult road too because it's, it's i mean unless you're going to ask someone who you think knows the answer like <laughs> where true. do you even start <laughs> that's very true <laughs> uh, i remember um years ago posting something on dribble about doing 500 logos and then like someone i didn't even know left a comment and was like you should charge 750 so it's like oh, okay i'll charge 750 <laughs> 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 i guess thanks um yeah i'll so take I started that. Doing that yeah um but but i guess uh over time, you kind of, it gets a little bit easier just with experience mm -hmm. and as you go. Um, it helps knowing what other people who are similar to you do, uh, what they charge. Mm -hmm. And I I know what a few of my friends charge, and I always try to kind of meet that um, and, and kind of use them as kind of a guardrail too you mm -hmm. know for sure uh, so it, it helps to to have somebody to figure it out with mm -hmm. yeah i feel like like that's the side of i guess freelance design that i've never that i haven't experienced yet is like even if you have like friends that are both full-timers in the same like i guess design niche like that branding logo like that whole type of niche mm -hmm. is there a sense of competitiveness there or is it just like Hey, clients will come to me if they want to come to me and they'll go to them if they want to go to them. Or is this like, like when you're talking about pricing, like, is there a competitive competitiveness where like, maybe you, I guess I don't really want to put you in a position to be like, yeah, I undercut my buddies because I want to get work. <laughs> no, uh, if anything, it's the opposite. I, I charge more, um, that I've done before where I've, um, seen what somebody else was charging and I'm like, well, I think I'm better than them. So I'm going to butt my price up by 500, you know, so, yeah, like yeah. something like that. Um, so it, I, I think if you can, if that's your kind of competitive nature coming out and you can, you know, use that for good mm -hmm. and, uh, and maybe <laughs> help everybody raise their prices or something <laughs> rather than undercutting everyone, then yeah. that's probably a good thing, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, so when you're developing those, um, branding projects, um, whether it's for an established organization or for a person that's just starting an organization, what, um, which this probably varies, but what's your, what's your process that you go through when working with a client? Um, it all starts with that first conversation and kind of, um, well, maybe even the, the first contact of a first email. Mm-hmm which is like you're trying to fill them out and figure them out um, and just kind of finding what they need and maybe even what they're like to work with a little bit. Um, because even early on, you can kind of 
pick up some red flags or something or tell if this is going to be a job that's worth it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps, uh, or the packages that I propose helps kind of weed some of those people out. Uh, because if I pitch them, like, here's my baseline package, it's $2,000 for this basic logo thing. Um, sometimes that's the last I hear from people and it saves me that much time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm glad to have that. Um, and then the next important thing is, I, I guess, just talking with them and, uh, and having a good series of questions to kind of guide a conversation and just finding what they need um, and what they're trying to do with the project. And I, I think it more, more so than anything else, it, you have to be a good listener in that situation. Um, I know a lot of people, they try to create these questionnaires or these briefs and like they try to ask the best questions or have the best questions in their briefs. But I think it's more about just kind of being on the spot and, and listening and picking up to things that um, that kind of come out naturally in a conversation. Mm-hmm. And they'll they'll kind of, they'll tell you what they need if you just listen. But it's mm-hmm. funny. Um, I have seen other designers like been on calls with, uh, with other people that I've, that I've worked with, um, you know, e- even at other full-time jobs and kind of being shocked at how, how the, the other designer wasn't listening to the client mm-hmm. and, and how it was pretty obvious <laughs> that, that they weren't um, and kind of cringy when, when that happens, you know, it's like, <laughs> they ask a question that they already answered or something. And it's like, Oh man, like if, if you're not even listening right now, like you're what, like, what are you doing? So, mm-hmm. um, being you, a good, a good, yeah, go ahead. Do you watch, sorry to interrupt, but do you watch, um, what's his name? The future. Um, yeah. what Chris Doe, right. Chris Doe. He talks about like, he talks about a lot of the stuff you're kind of, you're, you're saying, but he also talks about like, like even since we were talking about like a, a monetary system and even like, like you saying um, you have those base package and if you don't hear from them, it's just, you know, less time wasted. It's like, I like how you're, you're viewing it. Like even with, it's kind of in line with Chris as well. Like you're viewing it. Like I want to help solve the client's problem, no matter, you know, if mm-hmm. they pay the $5,000 or like, you know, it, the client's problem is the main priority and, yeah. or like working with the client. If you don't think you, you would be able to work well with the client, like the money is kind of like, okay, it's like, this would be a waste of my time. Like it's, it was not worth $5,000. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like the way you're going on that because I think a lot of, at least this is, this is what I was when I was um, first stepping into it. Like I was about, all, I was all about the dollar sign. Like I'd be like, I don't really care who the client is. I'll push out the work and, you know, just give me that 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever, whatever it was. Granted, I think that comes with this experience as well. And obviously establishing yourself and being able to put yourself into a position where you can deny a $5,000 client because, you know, maybe next week you'll have another $5,000 client coming through the door anyways. Um, but I, I really like how you're, talking about that and kind of formulating like the money isn't everything it's you know solving the problem for the client it's helping the client get to the end result as quickly yeah. and as you know with with as little roadblocks as possible 
Yeah, those those packages that I propose will be basically baselines. Like, mm -hmm. if if this is what if this is what you want, that's kind of the minimum. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's it's just kind of a platform for negotiation. Sometimes, like, well, five thousand is too much. I have four thousand, so what can you do for four thousand? And then we'll, you know, I'll I'll work within that budget if I can. You know, mm -hmm. and see how I can help them. Mm -hmm. um, so. Yeah, I guess that was kind of a long-winded way of, you know, the process of <laughs> it, it. It's business. It's business up front, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how I can help them and, and serve them best. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's what you always start with. For sure. So kind of segueing away from um, the freelance stuff, um, more going into um, – what you were into within the sports scene. Cause a lot of the audience that I have are from the sports scene. That's where, um, I connect with a lot of those, a lot of designers. Um, and you said, um, you're in Miami. Um, you did say you were in Columbus. Was that, were you in Columbus for like, um, Ohio state or Ohio state? Um, J America. So I, I went there when this little apparel company got the, uh, exclusive apparel license um for ohio state uh for everything that was off field so like on field on court was nike but everything else uh official was j america and they put up this office this design uh place in columbus and hired a bunch of people there and i was there for a year um doing ohio state apparel yeah was that was that was it fun or <laughs> um, i guess what was it, the experience like like Working for the job. working apparel for a big time FBS school. Yeah, the uh, the job was pretty fun. Uh, I liked everybody that I worked with. I, I wasn't a big fan of Columbus itself because um, uh, I was living in Orlando at that time, and I moved from Orlando to Columbus. And in February, uh, oh. I remember the day I left. It was like a perfect sunny day, and then you know I. I land in Columbus and there's just snow and ice everywhere. And it's like, well, I'm back in the Midwest now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so two winters and one summer in Columbus. That was, uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy that too much, but um, working with Ohio state was, was pretty fun. Working for J America was fun mm -hmm. with Ohio state. It was okay. Um, they're very conservative and, you know, they, they're really crazy about how you use their logo um, I mean, I, I remember doing this one cool kind of illustration of a basketball net draped over their block O and they didn't go for it because it was on the logo. Like you just can't mess with the logo. Mm -hmm. So as, yeah, as kind of weird, but, um, besides, besides, you know, being uber constrictive with that kind of stuff, it, it was a fun job. The, the thing that like, I fantasize over apparel is like, you like the process it takes to make it on your screen and then seeing it put on the product and then even seeing the people wearing it like that yeah. whole like a to a to z process is amazing yeah. like seeing things that you've created and like oh dang they're rocking that like that's awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah. i uh yeah i learned a lot there um you know about the process and all that and you know by the time i got to the dolphins i was like the apparel guy like anytime we needed a t-shirt it was like I'll give the t-shirt to Brandon. He'll, <laughs> He'll whip, whip something up. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, so yeah, that's perfect going into Miami. Um, what was your position with the Dolphins? Uh, it's a graphic designer. Um, Just, okay, not like senior. Uh, the the title was graphic designer, but the titles were pretty. Um, they really mean much there. <laughs> I think we between the three designers that we had, we were all art directors or at, at some point mm-hmm. during a project. Um, and the way that I worked with uh, Jeff Wynn, especially some of those bigger projects, um, those annual uh, campaigns, um, whether it's the seasonal stuff for the dolphins or draft or schedule release or whatever. Um, that's pretty much me and Jeff. And we would just kind of, one of us would start something, would start with an idea and then pass it off to the next person. And, you know, I'd take it and work on it for a couple hours and then here, Jeff, I'm stuck, take it back. And Mm -hmm. so he'll work it for a couple hours and then I'll take it back. Um, so the, the structure that we had there was, was pretty fluid. You know, it was, um, and Jeff, his title was an art director, but, um, and then we had a studio manager and, but all of us kind of pitched in on, on everything. Yeah. Worked and, together on everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to ask kind of what the, what the whole process was like working for an NFL team. Cause I know, especially like when coming, come draft time and everything like starts, shit starts getting crazy. Um, mm-hmm. and like before the season and everything. So like, did you, since you're, you're all in office obviously. Right. So I guess, being able to communicate with one another was pretty, pretty handy. Um, but like, what was like, what, obviously it was probably hectic at times, but I guess what was your like weekly workload as a designer for the dolphins? Yeah, I guess it depend on the time of year. Um, through the season, it was pretty predictable. Uh, you know, it was kind of like, I knew what my Monday was going to look like my Tuesday, my Wednesday. Um, I did a, a lot of the social media graphics through the season uh, whether it was like um, the, something for the upcoming game, you know, ads, um, anything like that, preparing for the next game, mm-hmm. I do that through the week, and and it gave you a pretty good rhythm. Um, outside of the season, it was pretty crazy because we weren't <laughs> just doing dolphins stuff; we were doing hard rock events, so. It might be a college football game or a soccer game. Um, uh, Miami Open was a big one. That was one of my bigger last projects there. Uh, and now whoever's there is working on Formula One too, probably. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, I, it, it's hard to say. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much I even really remember, I guess. Um <laughs> sorry to kind of put you on the spot (laughs) no it was um it was a lot it was a lot of work Mm -hmm. (laughs) i remember that i know that much um so you did sorry again (laughs) so you didn't just work for the dolphins you worked for hard rock stadium as well Mm -hmm. yeah that was uh i I don't think i guess it may be owned by the dolphins but like all the events going on there and everything yeah i i think that's probably a unique situation with hard rock and the dolphins um i I don't know if like the vikings team are are doing like design for concerts being held at the stadium um but but we would do a little bit of the concert stuff or any anything happening Mm -hmm. um 
which was a great way for those other events to save money, I'm sure, mm-hmm. to have the Dolphins crew mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, design all that. So. so working with the Dolphins, did you gain a fandom for the Dolphins, or were you – are like a fan of um, the Colts or <laughs> since you're from Indiana? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely a Colts fan. Everybody knows I'm a Colts fan. Uh, but um, I, I'm just an NFL fan. So, you know, I, I've got some love for the Dolphins. I always have. I've always loved their colors and mm-hmm. always loved Dan Marino. And, um, but I, I wasn't like cheering the team on through the week. Um, I, I didn't really get that that crazy about it i i felt like it was kind of best for me to not be a fan Mm -hmm. um and not many of us were there on the creative side there were probably two or three people who were actual dolphins fans uh and and everybody else it was kind of like this is just work this is a job (laughs) yeah uh which is the way i like to approach it um i uh gave some thought about you know, what would it be like to work for the Colts and even talk to them at one point? Um, just because I, I thought it would be an interesting turn to, um, you know, what would it be like to work for my favorite team? Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think I like keeping it separate a little bit more. I think it just, I think I, if I worked for the Colts, I would be very protective about keeping things the way they are and not messing with things too much, mm-hmm. which I don't think is probably not a great um, attitude to have as a designer or a creative person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I worked with, um, I did an internship when I was in college with um, a summer collegiate organization for, um, they have a baseball league um, up here called the North Northwest league, Northwestern league. Northwest League, Great Northwest. I don't know. It's NWL. It's probably Northwest League. Um, but it was, and it was with the Rafters, Wisconsin Rapids Rafters. And I like going in. Like I I was from Central Wisconsin. I'm from Central Wisconsin. So it's like I knew of them in high school. I played on their field and everything. And so like I knew of them, but it was kind of like whatever. But then once I started working with them, I was like, dang. Like I I'm kind of attached. (laughs) Like I was like (laughs) I like I like would get up. So like I, during the week, kind of similar to you, I would do all the designs and get prepped and everything. And, um, and then like on game days, I would run the video board. So like in between pitches and in between like innings and everything, I would stand up and look out the press box and like be pacing back and forth. Like if we're down by three in the the bottom of the eighth or something, I, I could, I could definitely say that I was a fan. I was a definite fan when I, when I was working for them. Yeah. See, it, it, when I was in Columbus, it was, I was more that way where I became a fan of Ohio state football mm-hmm. and, and basketball and, and, uh, and cheered them on and watched the games and went to a couple of games. And I guess maybe it's harder, you know, being in a small city like that, where it's like, that's, that's life and you're surrounded by Ohio state stuff. That's true. Um, and it's, it's maybe a little bit easier to keep that as a job and, you know, like Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty true. I guess the smaller the town, the bigger the connection to the, yeah. to the team, I guess. Yeah. I guess when you're in Miami, you're just like, Oh, fuck, screw the dolphins, man. <laughs> like I, I could do, I could go, go watch, go do so many other things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I was looking on your website prior, um, just to kind of familiarize myself with 
with with what kind of work you do. And um, since I have been following you on Twitter for a while, when you come out with those um, like self-driven projects, granted, I I guess I call them self-driven. I don't know if they were um, what's it called commissioned, um, but like mm-hmm. developing type and developing numerical sets or numeral sets, whatever the correct terminology is. Um, yeah. That's what kind of I gained a little bit of knowledge of that in in college. Um, but to me, that's a very unique side of design, like developing a, a typeface or developing, I guess, um, what's prominent on your portfolio, n- numeral sets from scratch. Um, is that, uh, is that like a passion for you? Um, or is it like, or is it something you were just like, Hey, maybe I'll try one of these times. Yeah. Um, well, numbers are my favorite thing about any font or, or type, you know, I guess most people, they're more captured by the letters, but I've always liked numbers more. Um, so I, the first one that I did was based off of uh, an airplane, like an old 1929 airplane that I saw in a museum. And it was like, uh, it had these numbers painted underneath the wings. And it was just kind of strange looking how it was a block font, but the inside um corners were rounded so i just i don't know i just kind of had an urge to like finish that because mm-hmm. the, there was like a a two a one and maybe a nine so i was like well i wonder what the rest of that looks like mm-hmm. um so i just kind of did it on my own and just mm-hmm. well that looks cool mate so but it's not a font so it's not like i can sell this as a font but then i thought it well maybe people want to buy the numbers or maybe they don't or whatever and and then um at some point I started using it on like some jersey concepts uh, some football jersey concepts and and then it just kind of started clicking like I, I guess if I do this series of number sets and um mock them up on jerseys and race cars and stuff like you know, maybe that works maybe that's mm-hmm. some promotional kind of thing and um it, it's it's not been like lucrative it's not been like um i can retire on <laughs> selling number sets or anything but um I, I never wanted to i just wanted to do that stuff for myself because it was you know what i was interested in mm-hmm. and it kind of it connects to what i do mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's kind of the the points that you have to find is um do what you're interested in but it has to kind of tie back to what you're known for or what you want to be known for Mm -hmm. so anything type related is like that's in the that's in the branding world Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense you know yeah that's i think that's one of like the more unique things i've seen like on a portfolio i guess directed towards the niche that you primarily design in um like seeing like yeah you you see logos you see like full brand guides you see all that stuff you see rebrands and everything but the additional like numeral sets and, and type design and everything. Like you don't really, I get at least the ones that I've seen, you don't really, I haven't really seen that. And that was, it was pretty unique to see. And I was like, dang, like these are designed really freaking well. And I, I was like, I was like, you know, I've never really thought about people just deciding numbers. <laughs> and I, was like, yeah. I was like, you know, that's actually a pretty good idea. You know, I was just like, yeah. dang, <laughs> but it, it makes, it makes sense when you talk about that. Cause yeah, like, especially in sports, like you're using numbers all the time. So it's like, why not just design a specific numeral typeface, you know, why not? Yeah. 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 It's uh, yeah, something I, I'm definitely thinking about when I do 
the sports uniforms and you know the football jerseys it's like at some point i gotta do a number design a custom number mm. uh, so yeah it, it all kind of lines up mm-hmm. for sure um so one i guess i don't know if this is saving the best for last in your opinion but personally this is saving the best for last to talk about your book um starting with concept and finishing with style um i saw that it was sold out unfortunate i was gonna buy it (laughs) but um talk talk to the people about that because mostly at least i've never met someone that's written a book or designed a book or you know i've never met someone that did that so i would love to hear about that whole process and you know the book itself um Mm kind of give yourself a little shameless plug when it gets restocked or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah um well if you want the ebook the pdf version that's available Oh, um, awesome. Okay. But uh, um, maybe I'll do another print run. I, I thought I would do another print run next month. So maybe we'll see what happens. Fantastic. Um, but that's basically my whole design philosophy, or you know, in the book. Um, and it's kind of, it's 12 years or 13 years in the making, really. Um, I started writing a blog right out of college just uh, that I called graphic language uh and it's just kind of my own thoughts and opinion on graphic design and making it and um over time there was like I guess enough that uh I could compile together and start this um this process of what do I really think is the purpose of design and and how do you go about achieving it and that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. So last year, it was, you know, the perfect time to do something like that mm-hmm. and to kind of, um, and kind of, even just for myself to just kind of have this um, manual or the, this thing to, that lets me know what I'm about and, and kind of what I think about things. And I, I think that's the best thing about writing for me is that I'm kind of figuring things out as I write. And it's it's just easier for me to put things together and know what I feel or think about something mm-hmm. as I'm writing. So it was good for me to do just just for myself. Um, so the title is um, it, it's, it's just a hint to the process itself. Where you're, I think a lot of people or a lot of designers want to start with style. They want to start with the look. Um, you know, they go into a project and, and thinking about what this, what should this look like? Uh, and what's my inspiration? What's, um, you know, what can I kind of copy and repurpose? But really that's kind of what you want to finish, finish with and save for last. Mm-hmm. And what you should always start with is communication and what you're trying to say. Um, and then putting that into some kind of concept that kind of, wraps it all up mm-hmm. um so in the book i use a couple of examples like uh like coca-cola um you know coca-cola style is red and white and you know the script and the logo their product is um a soft drink but what they're selling you is happiness and that's that's their concept that's coke's concept they're always selling you happiness it's, whether it's a print ad, a commercial, or whatever, they want you to feel good about that product. So mm-hmm. it's like, how 
how can Coke make someone happy? How, how strong is that concept? Well, think about the most, probably their most famous commercial is like the seventies commercial with mean Joe green. Uh, you know, the meanest <laughs> football player on the baddest <laughs> team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, he gets a Coke and he smiles and he turns into a nice guy. Mm-hmm. That's the power of happiness. That's the power of Coke. And that that's their whole, their whole thing, their whole concept. And I think if you have that, then everything else you build, you build on that and you try to communicate that visually. Um, so there's a few different examples in the book based on that and i kind of guide you through this five-step process of uh concept idea composition um craft and style and it's it's not the only way i design things but um i i always feel like when my work is at its best it has that in it and i'm kind of following that guide uh, not getting too far ahead of myself, not not like going into Illustrator and moving shapes around or just throwing colors in. It's like I have to really think about what I want to say mm-hmm. and what that concept's going to be and then what kind of ideas represent that and then how to arrange them into something interesting and then how to craft it well. And then you get into style about you know colors and type choices and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think if you... If you don't have that in your work, if you are going just by what things look like, then it's like you start having conversations with the client about, well, I don't like this font or I don't like this color. But if you have the logic of a concept behind it, then you start talking about, well, does that font or color represent that concept? And does it make sense? And does it have that logic, you know, that communication to it. Yeah, and you can figure those things out before you even have to before you even have the rebuttal from the client. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I guess like the title, the title as you know, as a designer looking at the title, it's it's very compelling because it's like, you know, I mean that's what we do every single time we design. You know, you start whether whether it's like bare bones or whether it's super deep you know you start with the concept and you end with i guess in this case finishing with style you finish with the finished product so it's like yeah i mean i feel like the book at least i kind of asked around i asked around with to a couple of my friends like hey you know i'm having brandon on tomorrow have you ever you know have you read this book and um or have you gotten the ebook or talked to brandon about it and um, some people said, yes, the book's awesome. Some people said never saw the book before. So I was really curious on what you were going to say about it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it's a design book, <laughs> you know, it's, it was something, nothing was going to pop up out of the ordinary, <laughs> at least yeah, yeah. I was thinking, but, um, but hearing you explain it and hearing you kind of go in depth about it, that's, it's really intriguing. Um, and I'm a very tactile person. So when you do reprint, if you do think about reprinting, I'll definitely be buying one. Um, yeah. Because when I'm reading on my computer, <laughs> I you're you're always one click away from going on Twitter for 45 minutes, so it's like, <laughs> right, right. yeah. So, uh, the, uh, well, there's a similar book that I also mention in it. It's called, um, oh, it's by Scott McCloud. It's something about comics, um, and I forget the title. But probably if you search Scott McCloud mm-hmm. comic book, um, it'll come up. But uh, years ago, he kind of figured out the same kind of process for creating comics. Um, so it, it's based 
quite a bit on that, just kind of my own version of it um, and how I think it applies to design and it's more useful to design and how, um, how I've put it into practice for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say that the Scott McLeod book could be a sister book to, to this one. Okay. Yeah, I just jotted a note down. I'll have to Google yeah. it. Have to Google it when we're done here. Um, but yeah, I mean, personally, this has been an awesome call. Um, I knew it was going to go well. Just I kind of preemptively talked to Brandon here um, for the people that um, are kind of listening here. I talked to Brandon before, told him I was really nervous about this, <laughs> told him I've been following his following his Twitter for a while. Um, and that, again, I'm very grateful that you decided to say yes to the invitation to be on the podcast. No, of um, course, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. Um, it, again, it was it was awesome. Um, but yeah, guys, all of Brandon's stuff will be down below his uh, website. Um, I'll link there for sure. Do you want? Would you like your Twitter down there? Or they can. It's linked on the website. So. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. So Brandon's website um, will will be down below. Go look at this man's work. It has blown me away every time I've seen it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Brandon, I mean, we talked about obviously your book, we ended in your book. We talked about kind of how you go through things, um, creatively and also, you know, working with the client one-on-one, um, talking about pricing and, and value of the client and even, you know, whether the client would be, would be worth your time kind of doing that type of, um, checks and balances for yourself and also talking about your starts and everything. So I think we kind of covered everything that I was looking to cover in this and it was, it was awesome having a conversation with you. <laughs> it was freaking awesome having a conversation with you. Um, and even we talked before and you said you talked about Hayden and he was actually one of the person he was like, he was like, yeah, you should get, you should get Brandon on the podcast. And I was like, <laughs> I was like you know what? Maybe I'll message him. I'll message him and get, and see, if, see if he'll be on the podcast. So, oh, cool, man. Um, so yeah, I can shout out, I guess, I guess I could shout out Hayden for the, for the idea. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, usually I, uh, I have, the guests kind of give maybe like a send off type of statement um, just to kind of, you know, leave the, leave the listeners with something. So I guess do you, what, what would you like to send people off with? <laughs> uh, I'm a, stay curious. Um, don't be complacent in your work. Uh, don't let yourself get stale. Um, don't let yourself get old. Just, just keep learning. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Always expanding, always expanding the brain, always expanding the knowledge. Um, but yeah, guys, this has been episode nine. Um, it's been an awesome one. Brandon, again, super grateful for you coming on to the podcast. Um, again, guys, all his links will be down below. Um, but stay tuned for episode 10. Episode 10 is going to be an awesome one. Um, so, so yeah, thank you for listening to episode nine of the creative process podcast with myself, Jared Klein. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and make sure you tell someone you love them. Peace. Have a good one.